This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, June 6th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for the Tuesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, and I'm filling in for Rob Hart today. Apple unveiling its Vision Pro headset, which is considered an expensive gamble for the company. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, though, the breaking news story of the day, the PGA and Live Golf Tour are ending their legal feud with an unexpected merger. So let's discuss with Mark Gannis, president and co-founder of SportsCore Limited here in Chicago. Mark, I feel like it wasn't that long ago that these two organizations were bad-mouthing one another in their legal feud, and now uh, there's going to be a marriage between the two. Yeah, well, wasn't that long is true. Just last week, there were more court filings uh, with the, the disputes between the two. So there, there definitely was a lot of that happening, but behind the scenes... Uh, the leadership was discussing a possible resolution. And that's what uh, was announced today. So this deal would sort of end any of that pending litigation. It's combining into what's being described as just one global golf tour. Uh, but what does this mean for the players? There was a lot of uh, divisiveness, right, for, for players that chose to go with the Live Golf Tournament versus sticking with the PGA. So what are the next steps here? Well, it, it, there will actually be a division of two entities. One is the nonprofit PGA that the players control, and that's going to continue. That's going to put that's going to put on the events. That's going to do the community benefits where they go around the world, um, and uh, with the rankings of players and things like that. That will continue, and that will stay as a nonprofit. What they're then going to do is take the assets, the for-profit assets of the PGA, uh, Live Golf, or in this case now the, the public investment fund from Saudi Arabia. Uh, and the DP World Tour, which is known as the European Tour, and they're going to take those for-profit assets and put them in a for-profit entity. Then he's going to handle the economics, the marketing, uh, the, the broadcasting, all of those kinds of things on a for-profit basis with the intent of growing the game of golf so that uh, there will likely be, likely be more investments to the tune of billions of dollars by uh, the PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, as they put this together and they grow golf on a global scale. Well, we're talking about growing golf. We're talking about ending litigation, all good things. But it can't help but wonder, are, are we just not protecting pocketbooks? Does it come down to dollars as, as the real driving factor behind this agreement? Actually, I think what it came down to was they realized that fighting it out in court was only going to make the lawyers richer, and, and, and there's going to be a lot of blood in the courtrooms themselves. So they realized that a resolution, a negotiated resolution, um, was better for the sport and better for the, for the parties involved in the litigation. It was, the litigation is really what, what 
caused this to come together. I do know the participants. I know Jay. I know Yasser. Uh, and they, they, they really do want the, the sport of golf to grow globally. And they see it as potentially having massive growth. Uh, it's at $100 billion or so right now as a global game. They see it that it could be multiples of that in just a few years. Now, this, this would still need approval, though, from the PGA Tour Policy Board, correct? And is that something that we can, we can assume will go ahead and move forward? Yes, uh, and uh, yes and yes. Uh, the, the players ultimately have to be the ones to decide that this works for them. Uh, so they'll, they're going to be having meetings almost immediately about this. Uh, and, and the expectation is the players will be on board. Is there going to be some, some bad blood between some of the players and some of the ones that left for live and some of the negative comments? Sure. But one of the things you're seeing here is the perhaps the most uh, argumentative person, Greg Norman, is nowhere to be found in this resolution. So it may be that that that, uh, uh, you know, him him being out of the equation actually helped come the parties come together. Thanks so much, Mark Gannis, president and co-founder of SportsCore Limited here in Chicago. Coming up, Apple creating a lot of buzz with its new mixed reality headset. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Apple unveiled its augmented reality headset known as the Vision Pro. So let's gauge reaction with the help of Dan Gallagher, a tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. And Dan, I watched the keynote uh, retroactively, but I got to say, it's an impressive device, though I don't know how practical it is right now. What's been some of the reaction that you're seeing? Uh, well, the reaction has been exactly that. I think they really upped the game for, you know, against other, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality devices that are out there. They have some, you know, it looks better. It's got some interesting innovations, um, you know, doesn't need controllers. Uh, at the same time, it costs like $3,500. Um, and it still looks strange when it. When it this is a, this is essentially a face-mounted computer, and I think that price tag and that that concept is just going to be, uh, you know, really limit the sales of this at least early on. At least early on, and and this is sort of the narrative for Apple, though. I'm thinking back to when it first, you know, got into the iPhone and in entering into that space. It was an expensive device, and it's obviously had multiple generations. So, is this something where, for now, it's really going to be these these techies that have to have the latest and greatest? They're going to be the ones buying it, and maybe in a few years they make it just a little bit more user friendly, and and we see a more common adaptation of of devices like this. Uh, you know, that's certainly possible, but I would argue the difference between, you know, this and what you saw with the iPhone is when the iPhone, the very first iPhone came out, so many people wanted it and saw the selling, the value concept was very, very clear. You know, it was clearly a big advancement over smartphones, so it was really just a matter of people waiting till the price came to the right point. I think with this, there's still just a lot of questions of what would I use this device for um, and the and the appearance issue. Um, I mean, it was notable that Tim, Tim Cook did um, on, during his presentation, he actually never put it on. And when he introduced the Apple Watch eight years ago, he came out on stage showing it. And that was eight months before it actually went on sale. Um, so I think there's I think that this particular type of technology, AR and VR with these face mounted you know, computers essentially um, has this extra barrier that a lot of people see and think, you know, I just don't know if that's for me.
Right. I, and, and even in demonstrating, not that Tim Cook wore it, but there there was sort of this video explaining what the device is capable of doing. And a lot of it was described as immersing yourself in your environment. You know, you can really enter other dimensions. But but then it, it's also tried to touch on the fact that you're still in touch with your own surroundings. You can FaceTime people. That, that also seemed uh, like a very difficult concept to sort of grasp from a user perspective. Uh, it is for sure, and I think uh, I think we'll have to see once the device actually starts shipping next year and it gets out in the wild and more developers have developed more things for it to see how it actually, you know, works. Does it have, you know, the problem that VR and AR has had so far is the lack of a killer app that really um, that really drives mass adoption of all this technology, and, I, and that still remains to be seen, even though there's a lot of things that have an interesting demo aspect to it. Um, you know, you're, there's still, I think a lot of consumers are still wondering why, why would I need this right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Dan Gallagher, tech reporter for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street column based in San Francisco. Up next, we're going to talk about helping teens build their credit history. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's important for teenagers to start building a credit history, and one way is to have them learn how to properly manage a credit card. So let's get some strategic help from Matt Schultz, chief credit analyst at LendingTree based in Austin, Texas. Matt, first we have to determine when is it the right time to introduce a teen to a credit card? Well, it really does depend on the on the kid to a degree, because any parent knows their kid and knows that there can be a big difference in in maturity and responsibility and that sort of thing. So you can get them started really early in some ways, but it's not always the best thing to start them with a credit card right off the bat. So what are some alternatives then if we're trying to at least build, either build a credit history or, or establish some really good habits financially? What are some options? Yeah, one of the best things that you can do is give them a prepaid card to kind of practice with. Obviously, it's not a real credit card, but it can be a way to get them used to um, to get them used to using plastic, and also to help them kind of learn the value of a dollar because that is a really important thing and to learn about things like buyer's remorse and stuff like that when they're young and when those mistakes don't really matter as much. I also know, too, that a lot of banks offer sort of a, a like a family plan where you can make your child maybe an authorized user. They still have access, but it's 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 your account. You can still monitor the activity as a parent. Yeah, an authorized user is a really good thing. We actually have my son as an authorized user on one of our cards. And basically what that does is it um, it gives your kid access to that card and it puts that card and all of the history that you developed with it on their credit uh, report. So it kind of gives them a bit of a kickstart in their credit history. But the important thing to remember is that is that the primary account holder is the one who is legally responsible for all of the balances on that card, not the authorized user. So you really need to have a very honest, very open conversation about consequences and expectations before you put that kid on that card. 
But it can serve, I mean, assuming you have those very open conversations, it's a great way, like you said, to start building credit while still having the safety net of mom and dad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It can be a really good tool and it can really be a way to kind of minimize some of the risk involved in using a credit card while um, while giving the parents still some control over over what they can do. That's Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst at Lending Tree. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, we're going to talk about taking an airline trip with your pet in tow. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. An unexpected merger in the sports world involves two recent bitter rivals. This is Bernie Tafoya, a young woman whose boyfriend allegedly beat her over the weekend in Joliet, has died. In Travel Tuesday, we're going to talk about taking along the family pet on your next trip. Plus, a national movie theater chain has its eyes on attracting younger customers this summer. WBBM Business, markets are mixed. The Dow down 70 points, NASDAQ up 28. The S&P 500, hardly any movement there. It's up just one point. Partly cloudy skies the rest of today with a high not far from 80 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour now continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. A surprise agreement in professional golf has produced a merger between the PGA Tour and its European Tour and Saudi Arabia's Live Golf. CBS Sports golf writer Patrick McDonald's been covering the legal battles between the PGA and Live over the past two years. At the end of the day, Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour uh, board members realized that this could be a win-win for them. Uh, they'd have you know more money in the bank. They'd have a lot of great players back. The agreement requires all sides to immediately drop all legal action against each other. A young woman has died following an alleged beating by the hands of her boyfriend over the weekend. Joliet police say bond was set at more than $2.5 million for 30-year-old Demetrius Glover for allegedly severely beating his 23-year-old girlfriend and fleeing police. Police say the woman was taken to Silver Cross Hospital by her family Saturday and that she was unconscious with serious head trauma. Glover was soon pegged as a suspect and was seen driving the next day and led police on a chase. Joliet police say it ended with Glover crashing and running and having to be plucked from the Displains River. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio 1059 WBBM. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets are struggling to find direction. We're joined by Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based here in Chicago. And Michael, uh, let's first talk about what you make of what we're seeing on Wall Street. It seems like the rally we saw is now just sort of taking a breather. 
Yeah, good afternoon, Rachel. Thanks for having me on. You're, you're getting me on a day when there's really not a lot of news, but we always find something co- good to talk about. Um, you know, we're directionless mainly because there's no big news event, and you've got the Fed meeting next week, so markets are kind of just you know buying their time until we get something to drive it one way or the other. Uh, and even the Fed is expected to probably pause next week anyway. So that's that's unlikely to be a big news event as well. So we're, we're kind of sitting here on – we've been on both sides of the uneven uh, – or, uh, of the even mark uh, in the S&P all, all day and, and, and rarely moved more than a few points either way. So we'll probably keep going this way today and waiting for, for uh, more uh, uh, directional news. But, uh, you know, we've got earnings in a month um, and we've got Fed next week. So those are the things that uh, are coming up. Now, you sort of touched on your prediction there with the Fed. You, you're not expecting another interest rate hike then? Yeah, I mean that's what the market expects, and that's what we do as well. Um, we think there's going to be a pause, and that's really because the data that's been coming out has been both sides. You know, you've had some some hot labor numbers, but but nothing crazy, and and certainly nothing recessionary as well. So, the Fed's been doing a great job of just being threading that needle on interest rates and keeping us. Uh, from recession, but also from from overheating and higher inflation. So I think they'll pause this time and then see what the data comes out over the next month until they're uh, meeting uh, the following month, and then then we'll see. But I think we've got at least one or one or two pauses coming up for the Fed. Obviously, Apple dominated headlines yesterday, but it does sort of paint this broader picture of of the tech industry and the run that it's had, and and how it's sort of carried at least the S and P five hundred on its shoulders. Do you expect that to continue into the second half of this year for for the tech sector? If they keep coming out with great earnings and, and, and interest rates hang in there and don't go up any higher, I think the biggest drag in tech has been that rate spike. And that's kind of now the market has already discounted that. And, and now they're looking back at, at how well these companies are performing. And they're still the, the big growth story in, in, in tech, and it's driving the entire S&P, as you said. We got NASDAQ up 25% this year. I mean, that's an incredible rally after a terrible year last year. And the S&P is up about 11. So basically, the entire S&P 500 move is, 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 is based on what's happened in tech. So will it continue the second half? That's going to be dependent on earnings. We think it, it's, going to, it's, it's going to be more of a mixed bag in the second half, and, and we'd prefer to, to be more diversified. But certainly, tech was the place to be in the first half of this year. Yeah, tech was the place to be, uh, at least lately. <laughs> Cryptocurrency, not so much. We, we've seen a decline over the past few days, including Bitcoin. Can you help us sort of understand what's behind those losses? Yeah, so the SEC came out and, and is suing both Binance and Coinbase, and those are two big names in in uh, in, in crypto trading. Um, right away, Bitcoin dropped five six percent on the news. So did Ether, and they've they've come back about half of that um, again. So uh, the 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 sell off is not huge. I mean, in the old days, and I, I mean two three years ago, even that type of news of the SEC action would have dropped Bitcoin. 10 plus percent. But the market's starting to realize that there's only so much the SEC can do to a to a, a system that's really global. So we'll see how it plays out. But that's why we dropped a little bit in, in, in crypto and, and we've gotten half of it back. Um, we'll see where the SEC goes from here. But 
certainly they are looking to try to regulate these crypto exchanges more. Whether they'll be successful in that, we'll have to see. But again, you're only talking about one or two players here, not the entire cryptocurrency as a whole. Also, yeah, and also, uh, these are, Binance especially, they have bigger operations in Asia. So if, if they go after, after them, uh, if the SEC does, I mean, how far can they take it? Because most of these exchanges are, and most of the action that's happening in crypto does not happen in the United States. So, you know, the U.S. alone, uh, all-powerful U.S., it really can't stop crypto. It would have to be a global uh, situation, and that's not going to happen. So market realized that. We sold off a little bit. We've come back. So it's going to be hard for the, for the U.S. alone to affect crypto prices. Thanks so much for joining us. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, based here in Chicago. Up next in Travel Tuesday, we'll discuss taking the family pet along for your next flight. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and airline passenger capacity is heading back toward record levels this summer, and that also means more people traveling with their pets. So let's talk about how exactly to make that work with Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. And uh, Ken, I've taken my pets on long road trips, never in the sky. Uh, I think you might have more experience in that department. Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. We have a Yorkie, and our Yorkie trailer probably has more miles on either United, American, or even Southwest than most people. So he's a... He's a well-traveled dog. <laughs> you got it. So what All are right, some so, things that you think about when you're, when you're bringing your, your dog along with you? Well, here, let's uh, give some travel pointers. First off, uh, this is a thing you got to plan. So the best suggestion is if you're going to go travel, check with the airline you're flying with, whether it be uh, United, American, Delta, Southwest, any of them. They have, as you Google it, or under their specific uh, uh, web site, if you will, there is this section there for traveling with pets. They have changed it over the years because today you're supposed to travel with a dog. If you're going to take it on board, it has to be in a travel carrier, whether it be soft or hard, and that carrier has to fit underneath the seat in front of you. Okay, and one of the other things they're going to require is that the dog must be able to stand, sit up and move around within the carrier. So when you go to check in, and there's a fee for this, you have to check in. You can't just arbitrarily check in like you do and have it on your uh, iPhone and that. You have to check in in the counter because they have to check your paperwork that the dog has the rabies shots and all these other things. And they're going to see if the dog can get up and walk around within that, okay? It used to be that everyone was taking all types of animals on the plane, uh, you, from big dogs to safety animals, and even sometimes in the, the few days, they were taking pet, uh, because it's considered safety, like a, a, a pig and things like this. The airlines have gotten rid of that. Plus, it, with the uh, weather restrictions, you really can't be... Uh, you have to be careful about putting car, uh, animals, large size ones, particularly traveling in cargo, because you mm -hmm. don't know with the temperature restrictions whether or not the cargo of the aircraft or the capacity of the aircraft in the cargo hold is going to be air conditioned 
or that the airline in the cargo facility will be air conditioned or heated. So you got to stay away from that. Well, and, and so. whether or not you have your dog with you in the cabin or you have a larger dog and it needs to go, you know, with the cargo, that that either way sounds like it can be potentially really stressful for a pet, especially if they don't deal well with high anxiety situations like that. Exactly. And again, go back to the website that the airlines have because they uh, identify all of these things and talk about whether or not if the dog has problems, uh, you may want to check with the vet before flying, that they, for example, can give certain medications to alleviate that stress. Okay? So the other thing, above all, uh, if you will, make sure, you, as I said, you have all the paperwork ready for the airlines. And also make sure that you're going to a destination that allows the dog to go or the pet to go there. This is particularly true with international destinations because certain things, uh, certain countries have restrictions on pets coming in. Now, the way to avoid all this is you can go to a, a private carrier, something like a canine jets, uh, Vista, JSX, unfortunately, which doesn't fly into Chicago. And there it's a private jet. You're chartering it. They have fares and the air uh, the pet, regardless of size, basically can has the free roam of the cabin. So don't worry about that. But again, then you're cutting it into cost deferential. Mm -hmm. One thing to check on if this doesn't get to you is a website called PetTravel.com. And that'll answer a lot of questions. Thanks so much, Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. AMC is offering a summer movie camp program. It's part of an effort to get kids into theaters. So let's talk about that and more with Paul DeGarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in L.A. And I mean, Paul, I'm a kid at heart. Do I get to go to this summer camp? It sounds awesome. Well, I, I, it does sound awesome, Rachel. I, I think you can go as long as you're willing to pay the $5 on, on Saturdays or Wednesdays for $3. I think this is a great idea because think about it. Your, your young moviegoer of today will be your future, future moviegoer mm -hmm. of tomorrow. And that's really cool. And I love this dynamic pricing, although some dynamic pricing people don't like uh, when it comes to paying more for a better seat and that kind of thing. But Tuesday bargain matinees and promotions like this AMC summer movie camp are just great. I, I think it's a great way to get kids loving going to the movie theater. And with Super Mario Brothers having done such incredible business and in drawing in a, a, a massive family audience around the world, this just shows that kids and families, particularly kids, want to go to the movie theater. Well, and there's a great lineup this summer of, of kids movies, family movies. Uh, I mean, take your pick. There, yeah. I'm looking at the list here. Minions has a new one coming out. Kung Fu Panda. We've got uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's. it's really interesting. In this summer movie camp, they're showing older and newer films mm -hmm. uh, in this promotion. So it's just a way to get kids off the couch and out to the movie theater. And for AMC, I mean, this is a very smart strategy because they have their Stubbs program. They're, again, like I said, they're trying to get those younger moviegoers to be the future moviegoers. And with how well PG family films have been doing and just PG animated films, particularly this year, with Puss in Boots, Super Mario, Spider-Man, across the Spider-Verse this weekend, animated superhero film 
rated PG, and then uh, Little Mermaid is out there, and then Elemental, the new Pixar movie, is coming mm-hmm. up as well. That's going to be a PG-rated film. So I think it's the the year of PG-rated films, family films. So the AMC Summer Movie Camp, I think, couldn't have come at a better time well, and at a great price. Well, let's talk about, right, just briefly, because it's $5 on Saturdays, $3 on Wednesdays. And, and yeah, maybe the seat doesn't cost very much, but I think there's also the assumption that there's going to be a lot of snackage happening <laughs> with kids Wait, coming to the saying, theater. Rachel, the kids will go to a movie theater and they want to eat candy and popcorn. Wait, you're right. (laughs) Shocking, I know. (laughs) Shocking, right? So that is also the big, you know, they get you in the door with that ticket price, Mm -hmm. but they keep you there with the concessions. And that's where movie theaters make a lot of their profits are at that concession stand. So you, you just picked up on a great point. It's more than just that movie ticket and the future moviegoer being there, but also uh, that concession stand, very important, and kids love their popcorn, candy, and soda. It's a time-honored nutrition condition for people to go to (laughs) the movie theater and and have all that great uh, fun candy and popcorn. It's just part of, it's baked into our DNA, so to speak. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, based in L.A. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.